start in 1 Timothy 2, and then we're going to be talking this morning, uh, really kind of part three of uh, how to think about what's going on today, that kind of part three. And uh, we started out talking about uh, keeping it simple and the simplicity that's in Christ and the fact that when you are looking at what's going on around you uh, in the world today, in your life, and, and, and <laughs> what's fascinating about this, uh, we were, I was just talking and they're like, you're going to wade into that? I'm like, yeah, we are. But really, it's, you know, when you think about the election, you think about the COVID-19, the virus, to wear a mask, not to wear a mask, to, you know, go to this restaurant because you can go in and sit down and eat, or go to this one because you can, you know, all you can do there is go through the drive through But see, that's just stuff that's right in front of us. We have stuff that goes on every day in life. If you've got children, you've got school issues. So do I send them or do I keep them at home? If this happened when my guys were little, they were going. And if they got sick, they just got sick because if I kept them home and taught them, I'd kill them. So I'd rather them go somewhere else and do than me deal, try to, you know, so forth. So, so you, you got all this stuff going on in life, you know. Do I go here and shop at this store because they support so-and-so, or do I go here? You remember back in the day when, when Target and did all their stupid stuff about the marriage and everything, and people vote, don't go there? And it's like, really? You know, okay. But see, you got all this stuff that comes in life. How do you think about all that? We're not just talking about the election. We're not just talking about COVID. We're talking about how do you think every day? First, we started with the issue of simplicity in Christ. How did Satan get Eve, beguile Eve? How did he get her? He got her to quit thinking about who she was in Christ. And he did it by questioning the Word of God. And I'll be honest with you, all of this stuff that's going on today that has come up over your lifetime, I look around the room, some of you older folks are like, yeah, we've been here, done this before, we'll get through it. Some of you young people are like, oh my goodness, you know, Chicken Little, the, the heavens are falling. No, how you think, of, I got Seth, that's good. How you think about all this stuff, how did Satan get Eve? Genesis 3. He got Eve to quit thinking about who she was in Christ. So how does he do with you and I? Same thing. Actually, there in, in that chapter, the 2 Corinthians 11, the next verse, he talks about another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. How does he do that? He then takes you out of right division. So what did you hear? You heard about, hey, the mask is the mark of the beast, and you run to Revelation 13, and you do all this stuff. And the thing of it is, is when we looked at that, I showed you that is not the mark of the beast, and that's not what's going on today. Why? Because Revelation is ages to come, time period, it's future of us. And so as soon as you leave who you are in Christ, and as soon as you leave the word of rightly, rightly divided, you're lost. You're going to get tossed by every wind of doctrine. You're going to be bounced around on that rough seas of life out there, and it's just going to be miserable. So what do you do? Well, let's keep the simplicity going. Then we talked last week here we're in 2 Timothy 2. If you drop back to chapter 1, verse 7, there we talked about that God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And that issue of fear is intimidation. You've heard the reports, and I'm sure you've seen it. Maybe you've experienced the intimidation factor when you walk in some place that you're not wearing a mask. 
and they get angry with you, and there are people pointing and not. Well, that's what fear is. Fear is intimidation. It's intimidating you to do something. God did not give us that spirit of intimidation. He gave us the spirit of what? Of power, authority, ability to do something. Then he gave us the spirit of love. And that wonderful, that thing about that, that issue of love, the proper motivation. Why, would, why in the world would you go into a store and wear a mask when you go in? What is your motivation for wearing the mask? <laughs> okay. What is your motivation for not wearing the mask? See, you've got a motivation issue. Well, okay, there you go. You see, you've got to motivate. That's the spirit of love. And by the way, spirit, attitude. Okay, that's what we're talking about. But then he says of a sound mind, sound, healthy thinking, thinking correctly about things. What does the word of God say? Most of the trouble, come over to chapter 2, most of the trouble that comes in your life and in my life as we deal with the details of life, is we leave what saith the Scripture. That's why it's on that placard right above the door when you come in those double doors there. What saith the Scripture? Romans 4, verse 3, the question there. Because when we begin as believers, now I'm talking to believers. That's who we're talking to. As believers, we have something that trumps CNN, Fox News, Newsmax, OAN. It trumps all that mess out there. Okay, We have a book, we have the Word of God that trumps what any party you belong to says, does, promotes. And What does this book say? Again, rightly divided. Okay, Because when the Word of God says stuff and we decide not to do what it says, then we are not walking by faith. We're walking in the lust of your flesh. Follow me? All right, okay. So what about the election? just happened. <laughs> Biden elect, president elect, what does he do? Gives up? What is the other guys doing? Trump, they're suing, they're doing their thing. What do you and how are you and I to think about that? Well, look at what the book says. 2 Timothy 2 verse 1. Thou therefore my son No, 1 Timothy. I'm sorry. That's not the Well, be a good soldier. There you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 1 Timothy 1, I'm, I read the next, my wrong one. 1 first, first Timothy 2, verse 1. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. You see, fo folks, what does the book say about things? That's where you've got to go in your thinking as a believer. All right? By the way, you may not like how the election turned out. But you, or you might like the way the election turned out. Whoop-de-doo. What does this book say you and I as believers are to do? What does 1 Timothy 2.1 say? I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for how many men? All. Isn't that interesting? There's a punctuation after that word men. Then he says, for kings and for all that be in authority. See how he separated out? the kings and the authority from all men? Because what do we usually think about the government? They ain't human. <laughs> what kind of idiot would do that, right? What kind of this would do that? 
So we, but Paul says, no. What's the first thing that local assembly is to be doing? Because that's who he's talking to. He's talking to the local assembly. That's who I'm going to be talking to, the local assembly. What does he say? First thing for you to do is what? Pray for everybody. Notice how anywhere in that verse it says you agreed with their politics or disagreed with their politics. Agreed with your neighbor. It doesn't say that. It says what? Our job is to do what? Pray for them. Now, what are we praying for them to produce in us? The rest of verse 2, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. You see, folks, we, we don't belong to this world. We're going to where? Heavenly place. Where's our governmental reign at? Heavenly places. We are the ambassador for who? For Christ. What this world does is what this world does. You're getting your, your hair all stand up on the back of your neck and get fighting mad about it. Now, again, you can't. Paul. By the way, Paul does. We talked about this when we talked about Paul and politics in 2020, a couple months ago, a couple weeks ago. Paul was first to understand and to use the appeal to Caesar and the government and the law of the day to his benefit. He did it. When he, but he did it, he never protested it. He never spoke evil about it. Rather, what did he do? When he goes before, look, look over there at Acts. I, I tell you what, you're getting fired up now about this. Look over at Acts 20 and look at verse or 20, 25, 20, 20, uh, Acts 26, sorry. Acts 26. He's going to stand before Agrippa. This is right before he goes to Caesar. Okay? So Agrippa is the, he's the, uh, he's the uh, uh, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. He's right before going to the Supreme Court, Caesar. He says, verse 13, at midday, O king. I'm sorry, verse 1. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Isn't that interesting how the Roman government worked? Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for who? Isn't that interesting? And, he's, and he gets over there and he goes down and he goes, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee touching all things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be an expert See, verse 4, my manner of life from my, verse 5, which knew me from the beginning. See how he's bringing out the evidence, he's doing his thing, but he's doing it in front of who? The government, the authority. Verse 10, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. I'm sorry, verse 8, there it is. Why should it be thought a strain, a thing incredible with you that God should raise the what? You know why Paul's in trouble? He's preaching the gospel. He's not down there marching and protesting an election or lack of one. He's, he's in trouble because he's preaching the gospel. See that? He's down there. He's, he's in trouble for preaching. Christ died for your sins, was buried, rose again the third day, and the Jews didn't like it. So what'd they do? They got rope, they roped Roman to go in and get him. And he's standing there going, okay, I ain't talk for myself. Thank you. By the way, Agrippa, you're a lost, no-down, dirty, rotten scoundrel. You're going to hell. Verse 28. Paul's standing before the Ninth Circuit of Appeals. Him answering for himself. 
Look at what Grippa says at the end of that. Almost thou persuadest me to be. Isn't that interesting? Paul never said, my rights were this and they were violated. You know what Paul said? Christ died for your sins. Verse 13, at midday, O king Agrippa, this is what happened. He laid out the evidence. He walks down through verse 19. I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and of Jerusalem, and, and uh, the, the end of verse 20 there, that they should repent and turn to God and do works. I mean, he's just laying out. Come back to 1 Timothy 2. He's not arguing about, woe is me. He's saying what? I'm an ambassador. I'm praying I speak boldly. And you know what? You're a dirty, rotten, lousy sinner. You're on your way to hell. But here's the answer. And all you've got to do is believe that he died for your sins. And you know what Agrippa says? You know what, man? You almost persuaded me. (laughs) Okay, now there's more going on. I'm just talking. Look, folks, when you look at the election, what's our job in this election? Come over to 2 Timothy 3. Our job is to vote. You know why? Because that's our right as citizens of this country. But the vote didn't turn out the way I wanted it to turn out. Or maybe it did. You have to understand, we got a room full of people. You know a lot of people. We all, this room right here, you have different viewpoints on things. Amazing, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. So how do you deal with that? 2 Timothy 3. You see, folks, we have to keep on doing what we are to do. We are to think about who we are in Christ. We're to think about who we are as his ambassador. 2 Timothy 3, verse number 14, as things are falling apart around the local church, he says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. You know what we have to do? We have to sit there and you know what we say? We say because we understand some doctrine. This is not our home. We're just passing through. We're going to the heavenly places and that heavenly government. That's where we're going to rule and reign. That's when God's going to set all this crazy stuff to naught. He's going to fix it all. We know the king's coming back one day, and he's going to take care of the government on this earth. We're not going to fix it. Folks, you will never change what happens in Washington, D.C. You won't even change what happens downtown Phoenix. You know why? Because it's called the course of this world. It's because it's set on a sinful course and it's designed to go that route. Our job's to maybe slow it down a little bit. And by the way, you know how I know you're not going to get any of that done? Because the Lord was not able to do it when he walked this earth. You know why the Lord was not able to stop the corruption that was going on in Israel and in Rome in his day? It wasn't time for it to be stopped. See, there's a time for all of it to be stopped in the future. The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what he's going to do? He's going to stop it. Now, again, it doesn't mean you don't pay attention to what's going on, okay? I told you when we talked about government and the politics. Listen, folks, the current administration does things one way. The the new one's going to do it a different way. And it's going to either hurt you or help you. You need to pay attention to that. But you need to not get yourself all worked up to the point where you forget who you are in Christ. You don't need to get yourself all worked up to the point where you become non-functioning 
as a, as a believer. Rather, now you're looked at upon as one of those wacko Christians out there. And now you have a, a reputation that will never give you a hearing on what you ought to be saying to people, which is grace and peace. Okay? Follow that? All right, I'll get off my step stool now. Okay? So you have to pay attention to what's going on around you. I've got that. I'm the last guy to live with the head stuck in the sand. I could probably name you about 15 different conspiracy theories going on that none of you in this room have heard about unless you travel on the websites that I travel from time to time. That my wife comes over and says, what are you doing? Would you get off of that? You are too busy to be doing that. <laughs> yeah, look at it. Don't, yeah. Why? Because hey, it's interesting. You get it. You know, and, and I'm not excusing anybody. They're all sinful. It's sinful men that, op, uh, that occupy these offices. But as a believer, what is my responsibility? What saith the scripture? And what am I to do? I'm to be praying for them. I'm praying for them that they will get saved and see the light and I can live a quiet and peaceable life. This gets out on the internet. YouTube will do its thing. Facebook will do its thing. Whoop-de-doo, folks. What's important? The getting out of the word. Okay? You follow? All right, you with me? Okay, now, what I've been thinking about in all of that, everything that's going on, how then do we treat and deal with each other? Come on with me to Romans 14. How do we look and begin to treat, and I'm talking about here, local church, here, members of the body of Christ, because what begins to happen is, is if I say that I believe... I had a, there was a guy the other day I was watching a program and he said, you know what's sad about the current status is that we no longer live in a free society because we fear stating an opposition to the mainline thought. It's not even politically correct. If I say that I support Trump and you support Biden, we cannot have that discourse anymore. So you know what I don't do? I don't say I support Trump. That got me to thinking. This room, people who hear my voice, we all have different ideas, different thoughts about things. We are members of the body of Christ. We are one of members of, we are the family of God. We are the household of faith. But then we get into our own little political thought processes based upon how we were raised or where we lived, stuff like that. So then how do we get along? How do we not kill each other? Don't look around the room. Everybody's looking around. Who's doing Who's he talking about? I'm, just, I'm talking about the idea here, okay? All right? On election day, I went out front and put, and put up the, uh, my flag. That says, uh, don't tread on me. <laughs> no, I, got, I left that in the closet because Linda was going to kill me. I put up the American flag. It was interesting. The four houses on my end of the cul-de-sac, guess what they put up? Their flags. Do you know what a, fly, a flag flying on the front of a house means? You are a Trump supporter. I'm just going to tell you, that's what's on the websites out there. You didn't know that, did you? I told you, this stuff gets crazy, man. 
So what about the other on my street? How are they going to react and respond? If they even know what that means, okay? You know why I put it up? Because it's election day and it's time to go vote. <laughs> I didn't even know anything about the Trump thing until I went later and was looking through some guys making comments. How do you deal? Well, look at Romans 14. In Romans 14, Paul deals with a, a wonderful doctrine that we call the weaker brother idea here, the weaker brother doctrine. It starts in chapter 14, runs down to, into chapter 15, about verse 7. And it's an interesting thing there, verse 1. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. You see that thing there about doubtful disputations. Issues that you're going to debate about. Doubtful disputations. Things that are going to come up. Now, in the context, he's, he's talking about a weaker brother. So that would indicate that who, is, who are you? The stronger brother. Okay, so you got someone who's matured in the, in the message a little bit and someone who is not that mature. I'm not talking about that. I just want you to see the concept here, okay? I'm talking about when you run into someone who has a difference of opinion than you, what do you do? How do you deal with them? Well, I cram my opinion down their throat. Really? How did, well, I just do this, right? Really? What's the verse is going to tell us? The concept here. What does it say? Verse 2. For one believeth that he may eat all things, and another who is weak eateth herbs. Now, what happens here? I'll just real quick. The stuff about eating and eating meat offered to us. So Paul is using this as illustrations. You can literally pull out that issue about eating herbs and put in voting for Biden or voting for Trump. Because the concept is going to be the same. Okay? You can pull out the eating of the herbs and put in wearing, a, wearing shorts to church or not wearing shorts to church. Everybody's looking around who's got shorts on. <laughs> okay? No. Or do I, wear, do I wear a collared shirt or not a collar? Or do I wear a dress or jeans? You, see, you can put anything into the concept here. That's my point. But get the concept. You're, verse 2, you're going to have difference of opinions about things. I showed you the verse in Leviticus 13, verse number 15, where the leper is to wear a mask when he cries out. I know, science on both sides. Wear one, don't wear one, helps, doesn't help, all this stuff. But you know what Leviticus 13 tells you? That the Word of God says you ought to be wearing a mask when you're sick. Well, but it's my right. It doesn't say anything about your right. I don't care. You know what? The Word of God cares nothing about your rights. It cares about who? Him. And you being and walking in faith in who you are. What that does, by the way, what Leviticus 13 does for me anyway, hopefully for you, is it says that, you know what? I should be careful about how I espouse my, expose my opinions about things. So Romans 14 comes in and helps me as a member of the body of Christ. And he says, you know what? Verse 2, you're going to have difference of opinion. Verse 3. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath what? When you're talking, and again, this is why local, this is all done in a local assembly. 
It's all done amongst believers. That's why this local assembly is so important. You can never practice any of this outside of the local assembly. You cannot practice this with an unsaved individual. One, they won't understand what you're trying to do. And two, they're going to just infuriate you because they're unbelieving and they're ungodly and they're sinners. Its design is to function within the local assembly. Because what happens in the local assembly? We got the fellowship time, you get in the rub up, and you sometimes you find out that, that you know what? I'm going to pick on Brian over here. Brian doesn't like Alabama football. How dare he? So I come over here, and I open up my little door, and I pull my sign down that says, Alabama fans welcome all others not allowed. And I put that on the door. And if you don't like Alabama football, you ain't allowed in here. And you go, what? But take Alabama football out and put COVID-19 or a mask in that, and that's how some of you behave. I don't like football at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't like... Uh, Thank you, Brian. Okay. But you see how you take something like, and what, is, what are these verses telling you? Artificial turf. Oh. What, are, what, are, what do these verses say? He says, let no man despise him that what? That hath a differing opinion. Just because somebody's got a different viewpoint than you doesn't make them right, and it doesn't make them wrong. It's how you're going to interact with them now and how you're going to behave with them. And a believer that's stronger, a believer that's mature, is going to act a certain way and behave a certain way and look at someone and say, that's what we ought to be doing. And rather than destroying them, we ought to be building them up and edifying them and bringing them over to my viewpoint. Woohoo! <laughs> no. Work it down through. Verse 4. I love verse 4. Who are thou that judgest another man's servant? Who do you think you are to say that my opinion is right or wrong? That's what he's saying. Who do you think you are to judge somebody else? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up. For God is able to make him stand. One man esteem one day above another, and another esteem every day alike. Notice how Paul switched from eating to days. It's not, that's not the issue. The issue is the concept. We're all humanity. We all have different opinions. All been influenced by how we were raised, where we were raised, and the environment and everything. And then the, the amount of this book in your inner man, resident in your soul, that sound doctrine working, that's there a lack of it or the appropriate amount. How do you think about it? How are you going to work down through it? Verse 5. Let every man be fully persuaded in what? Whose mind? His own mind. Now, again, don't get me wrong. We're not talking about you can't have a conversation about stuff. Because we all have conversations about things. That's how you get to know what people think, is you do what? Talk. But rather, the issue is how are you going to respond when they begin to disagree with you? The guidelines are laid out here. The first four verses here, you know what you're to be doing? You're to be accepting of each other. Because who are you? You're, you're all brothers and sisters in Christ. 
That's who you are. You're to have your own conviction. You start there in verse 5. Let, your, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth it not the day to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth eateth to the Lord. For he, that giveth, th- he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord he eateth not. And giveth God thanks. Isn't that interesting? It's fast, just the concept here. Then you come down there in verse 9 to 12, and you begin to, he begins to talk about not, your place is not to judge the other. Everybody's going there in verse, the end of verse 10. For we shall all stand before the who? The judgment seat of Christ. You know who the final judge in all this is going to be? The Lord Jesus Christ. And when you stand over there at that judgment seat of Christ, you know what he's going to look at you and say? He's going to turn the fire of his word up. The word of God is like a lamp. It's a fire. He's going to turn that fire up. Your life is going to go through that fire. And the wood, hay, and stubble of, your fr- of, you, of you holding on to the lust of your flesh to be right, no matter what happens, is going to go smoking away. And he's going to turn over there and he's going to say, you could have spent a little more. He's not going to really say this to you. I'm saying it to you. You could have spent a little bit more time in the gold, silver, and precious stones, the wisdom, the understanding, and the knowledge, and not dwelled so much over there to get your stinking way and win the argument. Because I know some of you like to argue to win. You're going to be judged by the judge. Now, you're not losing salvation. You're not losing... But what did you do with the word of God that you've got? Then he comes down through 13 to 18 there. And he says, let's use your liberty appropriately. Now come on over to chapter 15. And let's get 6 and 7. Because here's how you ought to be thinking about everybody. (coughs) Again, you can pull out the election, pull out COVID. I, I, I love the thing I, was, I heard the other day. It was called BC, before COVID. COVID. <laughs> before Corona. There was what? Budweiser. No, before. That's what the guy said. That's why I heard the BC. It was in a, he was doing a spoof on everything. And it, before, you can go back over there. But look at, verse 15, look at chapter 15, verse 6. That ye may with one mind and one mouth do what? Glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another. So what are we doing with each other? We've got doubtful disputations. We've got all this argumenting thing going on. What are we to do, verse 7? Receive each other as what? As Christ also received us to the glory of God. What in the world did God do? What did Christ do for you? Look, you're in Romans. Come over to Ephesians 4. We're off that outline, by the way. I'll just tell you that right now. If, look at Ephesians 4. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 32. What did God the Son do for you at Calvary? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath what? Forgiven you. You know, there's some of you guys in here, some of you listening to my voice, that can't forgive the opposing viewpoint. Now, again, we're talking about believers with believers. You know what you're to do? 
as Christ looks at them and how he thinks about them, come on over to Philippians 2, is how you ought to be thinking about them, how you ought to be viewing them. And you know what he did? He says God commended his love toward us, us, the group, while we were yet sinners. What did he do? He died for you. He, just, he died for you, whether you're a Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Independent, Green Earther, Flat Earther. What's the other ones? Come on, give me, you know, all that stupidity out there. He says, I died for all that. And because you trusted me, and because I justified you, did what I told you what I would do when you trusted me, I blessed you, I made you complete, I gave you my all-sufficient grace, I gave you riches beyond wealth could ever know. And when you interact with each other, you know how you're supposed to do it? With that attitude. Philippians 2. Philippians 2. Philippians 2, uh, well, start in chapter 1. Go back up there to verse 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. You see that word becometh? In Titus, he says that you would adorn the doctrine. You make, you, you, our job as ambassadors is to make the doctrine look good. I look good today. That's why I got three pieces on. No, not really. I finally could wear it. <laughs> it's like, ooh, it's cold enough out to wear them. <laughs> you know? What do you, 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 we only let your conversation, lifestyle, speech, everything about your life do what? Make the gospel look good. That'll slow down some of the arguing, by the way. I'll just tell you that. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That ye stand in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. What are we to do together? Strive for the faith of the gospel. Have a oneness about it. Well, then, Rick, I don't have my opinion. He never said don't have your own opinion. He says when we interact with each other, what are we to be doing? One thing on our mind, singleness of mind, striving for the faith of the gospel. Chapter 2, verse 1, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded. Isn't that interesting? Well, wait a minute. I'm a Democrat. I, don't, I have an opposing view than the Republican Party does. Is that anywhere in those verses? You see how God's Word gets right down to the what's real? What's real? Heaven or hell. What's real? Eternity is real. And where you're going to spend it. What's real? We're in Philippians. We're not in Romans. We're not babes in Christ. We're adults. We're maturity. What's real here? How mature adults are going to act with each other and interact with one another in the local assembly. How are you going to do that? We're to be like-minded. 
When we come together, Ephesians over there, he says that, that the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. Perfected saints do the work of the ministry. What do we do when we come together? It's not to argue yay or nay or this or that. It's to be what? Strive for the faith of the gospel. Be about that. You know, I, read, I read people on Facebook. They are believers. They understand right division. They can list it all, name it all out for you. And you know what they'll do? They will drop the, at the drop of the hat, they will be arguing about the most stupidest things out there that all it does is cast aspersion on the faith of the gospel. By the way, they'll usually drop the hat to start the fight. And I sit there and I go, delete, exit. Because Linda's like, what are you doing? Why are you so mad? I haven't said a word. She can just see it. <laughs> what are you doing? Delete, delete, exit, exit, leave group, leave group, unfollow. Why? Because what, we're to be what? We're to be like-minded. If any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercy fulfill you my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Boy, how about let's have that attitude when we talk amongst ourselves about things. Again, we can have difference of opinions about things. Doubtful disputations. But what can we do with that? We can learn to grow in those moments. We can sit here and say, you know what, here's a chance for me to take what I understand from God's word and put it into shoe leather and not argue about this and just go be. You know, the big thing is, is you don't talk about family. <laughs> you don't talk about politics or religion. No, talk about it. But do it with what? The proper attitude about it. You're not arguing to win the argument. Okay? Do you guys follow that? Am I way missing you? Okay. Paul reminds us. He does it over and over again. That we are the household of faith. Go back up in chapter 1. Well, you know, oh, just come on over to Romans 12. Let's just move on. When Paul reminds us that we are the household of faith, he introduces in Romans, in Romans 12, that's where you need to be, a doctrine that runs all through Paul's epistles. He introduces it here in Romans 12, because in Romans 12, the 16, is the section where he says, okay, here's now how you're to go out and live life. Here's how you're going to relate chapter 12 with, with one another. Here's how you're going to relate with the unsaved world. Here's how you're going to relate chapter 13 with the government. Here's how you're going to relate chapter 14 with the weaker brother because you're going to run into him. Here's how you're going to relate to all this. Here's your relationship. And in Romans 12, verse 10, he introduces a doctrine called one anothering. And it runs all through Paul's epistles. Romans 12, verse 10. Well, verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned, one to what? To another. You see that? 
So that one anothering is going to run all through. Some 20 times Paul uses that term, one another. I got them printed out in the file. I was going to pull it out, but I got, dis- I got distracted. <laughs> Not at the table, at the snack table, but in talking, fellowshipping, okay? This thing about one anothering, verse 13, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not, rejoice with them that do rejoice, weep with them that weep, be of the same mind one toward another. And you're going to see this flow all through Chapter 13, verse 8, owe no man anything but to what? Love one another. You have brotherly love, that's the warm, affectionate, kind thing. Then you have love another, you got that mental attitude thinking about thinking about what's in their best interest, how to think about other people. Come down to chapter 14, verse number 13, 14, 13. Let us not therefore, what? Judge one another. Anymore. I love that. That means that you were doing it. And now you're what? Stop doing it. But judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in the brother's way. There's an issue of our liberty that we can use. Romans 15. Romans 15. And verse number 7. I, we looked at this one. Receive ye, uh, wherefore, receive ye one another. How? as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Come down to verse 14. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Think about admonishment. Admonishing is you see someone headed for trouble and you step in to stop them. To instruct them that if you continue on this road, it's destruction. Stop. Come over here. Get on this road. And you're going to do it. Colossians 3. Hold on to Romans. Go over there to Colossians 3. He tells you how to do it. You're told to do things, and then he instructs you how to do it. Romans 3, verse 16. Romans 3, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell. I'm sorry, Colossians. You're right. My bad. Colossians 3, verse 16. Somewhere on that list is where, is where we're at. Thank you, Greg. Colossians 3, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. If I'm going to admonish one another, what am I going to do? Where am I coming from? I'm letting the word of Christ do what? Dwell in me richly. So I'm going to come and admonish you, come back to Romans, I'm going to come and do it in what? With the Word of God, with the sound doctrine, with the Word rightly divided. I'm not going to come with you with, with philosophy and human viewpoint. I'm going to come to you and say, hey, what does the Bible say that we're to view our governmental authorities? We're to do what for them? Pray for them. Not argue, not yell, not protest, not march, stomp your feet because you didn't get your way. But what? Pray for them. That helps. Calm. Romans 16. I love this. This one's a great one. 16, 16. Salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ do what? 
salute you. Now, everybody focuses in on the holy kiss. You know, part of that country, that's how they greeted people. It used to be here, you greeted one another with a handshake. Now it's an elbow bump or a piss fun or a, hey, how you doing, just stay right there. <laughs> Don't come any closer. No, the thing there isn't the holy kiss, it's the what? The saluting, the hello, the want to be with other members of the local assembly, the desire to be there with them. Salute one another. Come on over to Galatians 5. I'm kind of going quick here. You take these. You just take a concordance and put in Paul's epistles, or if you're on, on a computer, and do one and then do another, the two words, and you just watch them flow. They come up. Do, 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 do. Colossians 5. Colossians Galatians 5. All right, we're just going to pray and be done now. <laughs> Greg's like, finally. Whew, that's all I had to do. Galatians 5. Galatians 5. Galatians 5, verse 13. Galatians 5, verse 13. What a verse. For brethren, ye have been called unto what? Liberty. Liberty. He's told you in verse 1 to stand fast in the liberty. Wherewith who? George Washington in 1776. No. Who made you free? Christ did. Christ has made us free. See, the liberty here is talking about not being in bondage, not being under the yoke of bondage again. See, it's a specific liberty. It isn't the first ten, you know, the Bill of Rights. Stand fast. Ye have been called unto liberty. That's going to go back to Romans 16 there. It's going to go back to Colossians and the admonishing. It's going to go back to where you're going to take your liberty and you're to begin to use it appropriately. Verse number 13, it continues, Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love, what? Serve one another. Everybody that you usually hear talk about this, Hiccups on the word love. <laughs> and they never finish it. What's love by love what? Serve. The weaker brother principle in Romans 14 where we started is the issue in that whole section, that whole doctrine is the issue of service and serving the other brethren. And looking at someone and saying, you know what? They're deficient in this area. Instead of railing down on them, I'm going to sit with them over an open book and try to do what? Think about them as Christ thought about them and edify them and bring them. Get them educated, as Dad would say. Educate them. Verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed. That's the opposite of Verse 3, of serving one another, isn't it? Bite and devour. Doubtful disputations. Arguing to win the argument. Verse 26, let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Whoa, look at that. But rather, let's do 6-2. Bear ye one another's burdens. Isn't that fantastic? You see the do's and the don'ts that Paul's laying out there? 
You have liberty. You know what you can do with your liberty? Anything you want to do. But here's some things that you should do. And here's some things that you shouldn't be doing. And use that liberty to serve the church, the body of Christ, specifically the local church. Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I hope you're seeing a different viewpoint, a different way of thinking about things. You know what happened on uh, November 4th? Same thing that whatever happened. Satellites didn't fall out of the sky. The tsunami wave didn't hit and make Yuma now beachfront property. The plague didn't hit. Well, we have the pandemic, so okay, well, maybe. It's not a pandemic, it's a plandemic. Okay. See, none of that, all that, what happened? The sun came up, you woke up, another, God extended another day of his grace. Guess what's going to happen tomorrow? If the Lord tarries, the same thing. What's going to happen on January 20, whatever, the day of uh, the inauguration day? What is that, 20th or 21st, something like whatever? Okay, sorry? 20th, okay. What's going to happen on the 21st of January? If the Lord tarries, same thing for you and I. If he doesn't tarry, that means he did what? He came back and woo forget it, we don't have to worry about it. And we're sitting there going, yeah, Rick was right all along. <laughs> See, folks, the world's just going to keep on ticking. It's how we are going to think about it, how we're going to interact with it. Maybe with the way, I told you Ephesians 4, right? With the way that things happen, maybe the next election cycle, you get involved a little more because you don't like it. It, it moves you to do. The problem is, is when it moves you to do or not to do, it begins to consume you. I got a phone call the other day from a number. I was telling folks last hour, I didn't recognize. I picked it up. I answered it. And I said, I've already voted. They go, no, Mr. Jordan, this is your doctor's office confirming your appointment. <laughs> Why? Because from the day moment, boom, what are you, you're inundated. So what do you, you know, okay. No. Let's keep this. Ephesians 4, verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffer, forbearing one another. Oh, there's the forbearance. 4.32, the end of that verse, forgiving one another. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted. You know, being kind is gone. Kindness is not out there. Humanity as a whole has just gotten so whittled down into the mire of the must. That kindness is gone. Paul says, you know, you need to be kind one to another. When you come in out of that old world and you come into here in the local assembly, you know what ought to be here? Kindness. You think think about the Garden of Eden. Adam goes out into the world and does the job that the Lord assigned to him to subdue and to have dominion over. And to rule, that's a stressful situation for Adam. And then he goes home to the Garden of Eden. And there sits Eve. It's a place of protection. The local assembly, one of the the main components of a local assembly is to be a place of protection. To come out of 
That's why I don't spend a lot of time talking about politics or this or that because you get enough inundated, but let's have a little, let's have a reprieve, a place of protection. Again, why the local assembly is so important. Come on over to 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians 4, in verse number 9, But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye selves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all of Macedonia, but we beseech you, brethren, that ye, what? Increase more and more. Where does the increase come? 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 9 and 10. Where does the increase come from? Well, I'm just going to love him today. I want to smack him, but I'm going to love him. Where does the increase come from? From the word of God working in you that believe. The intake of the sound doctrine. And you know what it does? It just makes, now you don't even think about smacking him. Think about dunking his head in the pot. <laughs> no, you just move right in and you Chapter 4, look at verse 18. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Those great words of our hope, they're designed to bring what? Comfort. Chapter 5, in verse 11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also Ye do. Look at that. Isn't that wonderful? When we come together, we're going to have different viewpoints. We're going to have different opinions. But when we come together, what are we to, what are we to do? Win the argument or to maybe do verse number 11? We, we argue in the world enough. You argue with your children enough, with your grandchildren enough. You come in here, what, what, what needs to be here? It needs to be some comfort. It needs to be where we, where I, I, verse 11, comfort yourselves together. That means when you come together and you say, you know what, man, that election was rough. I don't know what's going to happen. It's still up in the air. To get an email and reports of people that you know, you love dearly, and they're sick with COVID-19. Family, friends, whoever it is. And you know what? That's hard. And you need to be able to talk to somebody about that and not get smacked in the face with how wrong they are. Don't you know it's just a flu? Yeah, tell my family member that's sitting in the hospital on a respirator going to die. Thanks a lot, pal. I'll see you later. Think about that. Well, my, my opinion, that's, uh, come on. What do these verses say? Doesn't mean that your opinion isn't your opinion. It means when you look at who you're talking to, you say, wait a minute. Things can drastically change in people's lives. And you're sitting over there going, I'm going to get it my way. No, stop. What's our job with each other? 
esteeming others better than themselves, Philippians 2. By love, serving one another. Because your person sitting next to you or in front of you or around you here in the local assembly, you know what they need? They need to unload sometimes. And you know what they need you to do? Sit there, shut up, and let them unload. As your pastor, I know. You need to be able to have that release valve. Why? Because you're in a place of comfort and a place of protection. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to sit there and say, yeah, well, the science says. I'm going to sit there and I'm going to say, yeah, this verse over here says. I talked to a dear friend of mine just this past week. He's got COVID. Not here. He lives in another state. And he's like, it doesn't look good. They're going to take me to the hospital. He has lung issues. And I said, really? He goes, yeah. And I said, well, just remember. He goes, oh, I don't, you don't need to remember me, man. I'm going to glory. And he started just talking about how wonderful it will be to see the Savior's face. And I said, are you worried? He goes, oh, I'm worried because it's going to hurt, you know, the physical going through it. He said, but man, I've already given them the instructions that if it doesn't look good, pull the plug. Let me go. And I'm sitting there going, wow, what a viewpoint. But how did he get there? From the word. I just I go, wow. Paul clearly lays out the attitude that we're to have with each other. How we are to interact with each other. One more verse. You with me? Romans 12. Romans 12. You see, folks, you, again, I respect everyone's opinion, everything. I tell you that. I, I, I don't have, I, my thinking about things has completely been reduced. Ten years ago, we'd have been fighting. I wouldn't have been preaching this ten years ago. Because I would have been fighting because I, I know I'm right. And I know you're wrong. But what happens? You begin to grow up, don't you? And you go, wait a minute. That's not what Paul, that's not what the Word of God says. Now, I'm still right and you're still wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> okay? We'll break the tensions there for a minute, all right? Romans 12, verse 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, notice, live peaceably with all men. Verse 16, be of the same mind, one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. You see, folks, the goal is to live peaceably with all men. And as you choose to live as who you are in Christ, that will be difficult to do. Because you're going to make choices that are going to set you at odds with family, with friends, with neighbors, with the world. But that's okay because that odd, that setting at odds, is exactly you walking by faith in who you are in Christ and being in obedience to the Word of God, rightly divided. And when you come into here, you come into a place of comfort, a place of protection, a place of we're going to edify and comfort one another. 
It doesn't mean you don't have your opinions or your thoughts. It just means when we deal with one another, we're going to do it on a completely different level. We're going to do it on a higher level. And we're going to say, yeah, I hear you. I feel for you. I'm with you. And by the way, this verse might help you. Okay? Now, you can bring all of what we just went through, and you can put it over there on anything that comes up in life. It doesn't just have to be the moment. And it'll work. And you know what it'll do? It'll help you. You know, you know how I know that? Because it's helped me. And it's moved me along. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word, for the instructions in it. As we sit together here as a local assembly, as we sit together here as members of your body, that we do so with the mindset of understanding that of the one anothering that Paul would have us do with each other. The coming along and the picking up and the support and having a, a true genuine interest in each other. Not to win the day, not to win the argument, but rather to be edified and to be built up. Because we know who we are, we rest in who we are in your Son, and that everything that we say in word or deed is to be done for your honor and for your glory. In your name we pray, amen. All right.